Welcome to Who Knows Real Estate, Episode 1, Property Management. I'm Kevin. I'm Jim. And in this episode, we dive deep into property management, what it is, why it's important, and how to find a property manager that can help you reach your goals. Our guest, William, shares an amazing tip that will change how you screen your tenants. He shares the best marketing channels to fill vacancies, discusses the pros and cons of using professional property management, and how to account for it when underwriting new deals. Here it is. We're uh, very lucky to have William from New View Realty here. He's a property manager in town. William, what can you tell him about New View? Well, I mean, New View, just kind of what the name says, Kevin. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. We try to have a new view on real estate in general. Obviously, we focus a lot on property management, and we know that you know it's tough to find investors and landlords who have positive things to say about their property manager. We kind of want to change that view about that. We want to make sure we, we know, provide good service and uh, a different view on that. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, truth be told, I'm a uh, customer of yours, so I'm always happy. Happy as you can be with a property manager. <laughs> Nobody's ever exceptionally happy with a property manager, but you can say that again. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I tell my wife all the time, we are in the most ungratifying business you could possibly be in, man. You got to have a tough skin because investors are never always happy <laughs> because they want to make more money, right? They want their fees low. They want repairs done quickly and on the low end of things. Right. Tenants, you know, tenants, they're never happy because they don't want their rents to go up. We have to put them up because the landlords want them up. <laughs> You know, the one that repairs done yesterday, uh, even if it's something minor. And then obviously the technicians and vendors, they're really never happy because, you know, you kind of got to negotiate the best price. They think their uh, services are, you know, should be paid more. So you never win. We try to get into a happy medium and make everybody happy, but it never really happens that way. Well, don't give up on it because we need you, man. No, no, we're still, we're still at it, man. We're still at it. I'm, I'm very confident that. With everything that goes on, for the most part, everybody ends up in a happy place. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. What'd you do before New View Realty? Were you in property management or what? We don't want to mention any names, I don't think. No, no, I won't get into any yeah. names, but I moved here in 2007 and I started working in property management. Okay. So I worked for another company and kind of learned a lot of the things that I want to do, things that I shouldn't do, and you know, kind of branched out of four years ago now. Awesome. And with New View now, is it mostly residential or multifamily or good mix? Like, tell me about that. Yeah, you know what? We, when we first branched out, we kind of developed a little niche for multifamily. We have a lot of little pockets of multifamily properties, you know, 190 units uh, combined, 20 units, 20 units. But we have a very good mix. I think altogether, I mean, it's probably, I don't know, maybe 60% multifamily and 50% single family. Wow. So it's a pretty good mix. Okay, awesome. What have you liked better managing, single family or multifamily? That's such a tough question, man. I think single family, for whatever reason, seems a little bit easier. It's cleaner. Right. Right. Kind of, uh, you know, you have with a multifamily, you know, if somebody smoking weed, it affects yeah. the whole building, right? Right. You're going to have five disgruntled tenants. <laughs> Whereas if somebody. Or happy ones. Or happy ones. That's true. <laughs> but one thing can affect multiple people. And if you got somebody with 20 units and you got three bad apples there and those bad apples cause seven vacancies, then it's going to take a big toll. Whereas a one single family house, if you find a problem, you evict that problem, you get a new tenant. Right. So I think single family is probably less headaches. Okay. I can agree with that. I mean, single family, 
from an investor standpoint, the multifamily is nice because you've got a little bit of scalability, but the single family, I can see that being a cleaner process. Yeah, but you're right though. I mean, basically when you have, you know, if you got three units down and you got, you know, seven rented, you still have income no matter what. Right. 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 So, I mean, that, that does help from an investor point of view. Right. How is it managing smaller multifamily communities that are like below the 50 unit mark? Like I know a lot of investors say you can't invest under 100 units profitably. How is it managing those and how do those perform compared to the larger communities since you manage a lot of smaller sized ones? Well, yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, the, the smaller size ones is really not like we don't have anybody. We don't have to have anybody there on site. Right. right. So it's just kind of off site. We got a, f- a couple of pockets that we have like 20 units here and there. And, you know, we do our rounds once per week just to look at the grounds. But for the most part, there's really not a whole lot of issues with those multifamily on the smaller scale. Again, the bigger units, I just think you have different things altogether. You know, when you got 100 units plus, you got to deal with landscaping, making sure that's done. Again, people hanging out, cars getting towed, illegally parking. You know, I think you just got to devote a lot more time to it. But again, it's just more more profitable, right? Yeah. So, um I think it has its pros and its cons for sure. All right. What would you say? Like, I know a lot of investors do self-managing because that's the way their deals are profitable or they want to save that extra, you know, eight or 10%. What are, from your experience, like what are some of the pros and cons of self-managing versus hiring a professional property manager? (laughs) As as unbiased as possible. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll start it out and you can probably go from here, but. I mean, going through that process myself, it's uh, first off, as an investor, you can't you can't grow your business if you're going to sit there and man- you can't be the manager and grow your investments, you know, portfolio doing both, in my opinion, unless you, you know, basically start your own property management company internally right. and don't don't spend as much time on it <laughs> as you probably should. So from my standpoint, like having. William or whoever it is managing your properties, it allows you to go find new properties. But if you're just a one or two, well, sorry, one or two property investor, people are always on the fence. Do I need a property manager? I don't. You know, there's always the famous, I don't want to get that call in the middle of the night. Because I mean, <laughs> and let's be true. Like, let's be honest. If somebody calls you guys in the middle of the night, you're not answering either. So it's, it, that's, that's kind of thrown out the window. Yeah. Well, no, listen, I, I agree. I think that's you know, kind of debatable, right? But I, I do believe that as an investor, if you're going to make this a career, you should initially self-manage. You know, I think um, it gives you a good, you know, first-hand look as to what you can expect from a property manager, right? You know, and, and what a property manager has to go through. So I definitely think somebody initially should self-manage all the time just to get, to get their feet wet. But I think they should always account for you know, that, that extra cost, right? So if you're self-managing, you should implement that early on because life changes. You may be in a different spot now than you're going to be in five years from now. And if you always think, oh no, I don't have any expenses on management side, then you're going to kind of be behind the eight ball down the road. So I think you should always account for that. I believe if you have one or two houses and you have like a full-time job and you're a passive investor, that's probably doable for you. But if you're really going to focus on investing, I think you just got to leave it to somebody that you know, knows all the ins and outs, knows how to handle the evictions. I mean, I got to tell you, when I used to go to court for evictions, 
I used to love it because I used to get literally in the time that I've been to court for evictions, I'm there three hours waiting around. I've pulled maybe 30 clients from eviction proceedings. Wow. Wow. Because they go there and a lot of times they don't know how to fill out the paperwork correctly. They don't give the proper notice. They don't have the right leases in place. So, you know, they're struggling. They lose their case. They're frustrated. I would go outside, give them my business card. So listen, I can help you with this. And I would just add another client to the, to the portfolio that we have because we, we do this all the time, right? So we have kind of a system in place on how to do it, strong addendums to get the tenants out. And our tenants, you know, when we start up an eviction process, it's probably 45 to 60 days. I've met investors or owners or landlords in there that they're struggling four months trying to get somebody out. And, you know, they lose the case again and they're just kind of ready to throw their hands up. Yeah. Yeah. That, that losing the case. I mean, I've, I've seen that when I was managing all my properties, going to that court was very intimidating, even for me. And I usually won, you know, 90% of the time at least. But we were talking earlier before we got yeah. on here about how the judges, they shouldn't, but they'll still listen to all these crazy sob stories that they have. But I, I think... I think a property manager is always going to have an edge over a single family owner, the owner going into court, because at the same time, that judge is going to look at you and say, God, this is what these guys do. They've got all their paperwork together. It's usually cut and dry. They they give you guys the uh, possession. Yeah. And and another thing is, obviously, as an owner, you go in there, you have a vested interest in that property, right? So it's like, all right, he could possibly be, you know, squidering to his side of the story as opposed to a property manager. Yeah, it's more objective. Exactly. It comes from like a different point of view and this is what it is and we do this all the time. But regardless, they still listen to the tenants way too much. (laughs) I I tell you, they really do. We've lost some cases that I just, I, I can't believe it. And I, I've tried to fight with them, but it's just no fighting with the magistrate sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's one thing alone that makes me think. And, and back to your point earlier, Jim and I were talking about this last week, that if you've got a investor and they only have one or two houses, they should always factor in that property management fee, even though they're not paying it at that time, because that's brilliant. When you do want to go hand it over, you've already got it built in, you know it's it's there, and you're still going to stay profitable. I agree 100%, man. And I said, if, we, if you do that, you're prepared. And especially if you want to dive into this, you know, the right way, you know, and make it a career, you're not going to have, you're not, you're not going to be on the able down the road. Yeah. Sure. And just because you analyze and underwrite your deals with the property manager, even if you're not going to use one initially, you can pay yourself that 8%. Absolutely. Take that. It's not like it vanishes from your <laughs> profit. You can exactly. pay yourself. And then when you're ready to hire a professional, you just pass along yeah, to them yeah. and it's the deal is still it. profitable. Yep. You don't feel it. Right. Absolutely. And that way you actually get paid for the work and the calls you've got to do and the leasing tours and go into evictions. On evictions, do you have any tips for investors who are going to eviction court on how to improve their chances of success? I mean, it really boils down to the lease agreement. I think you got to have a strong lease that's kind of protecting you to, um, you know, for anything basically. Like our lease waves notice. So if somebody's late on the 5th, we can begin proceedings on the 6th. Right. Yeah, just to explain that a little more. You don't have to give them notice, correct? Correct. Yeah. uh, Basically, per statute, by law, are supposed to give a tenant a 10-day notice. Many times it's 15 or 25-day notice, depending on what the lease states. So if you sign an addendum and you waive that right, then you don't technically have to give them any notice. And obviously, you disclose this to the tenant upon signing the lease, which we do. We let tenants know right off the bat when we're signing a lease, listen, if you don't pay your rent on time, we begin evictions immediately. So just make sure you pay on time. If not, by the 6th, you may have eviction fees and you may get evicted. So I think that's first and foremost 
to avoid any issues because they'll get you all the time for right. a lack of notice. I think that's the most important thing. I mean, obviously you have prime lease addendums. You got to make sure you have that. But those Just are documentation, more, obviously. I mean, to file the eviction, you've got to have your yep. your rent history. You've got to have what they've paid, what they haven't paid. But yeah, I think having everything in order when you show up, you know, because so, the judge is going to ask for it. Hey, let me see what page they waive. Where Correct. do we explain their eviction process? So you've got to have that mapped out for the judge. And you should know your lease, right? You should like what page you should know exactly where it is. You should read it before you go, highlight it. Not the one from Google. <laughs> right. By all means, have a written lease. Yes, go in that's there. That's supported too. Yeah. Don't show up there. Yeah. I, I believe that's what he pays me in rent, 700 a month. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Um, but you've seen it, haven't you? Oh, all the time. All yeah. the time. But also another thing is, although again, they're not supposed to entertain repairs when you're you know, evicted for non-payment of rent. We always bring like our work orders and pictures of the last three months. Yeah. Because if if they bring it up, right, at least you have proof. Listen, the work order was done. This is the repair Here's when it was filed. Here's when it was, yeah. That yeah. way they shut that down. Because all tenants will say there's mold coming up. There's, <laughs> yeah. They know all the ins and outs and all the tricks to kind of get the magistrate's ears sparked up. Yeah. So we, we always come prepared with that. So I think preparation is probably the key. Yeah. And a very strong lease. Yes. We're kind of getting into this what a property manager is an expert at. Maybe we can talk a little bit about what else you help prevent from your end. Because you mentioned earlier, you go to some of the multifamily like once a week or once a month, put your eyes on it. I'm certain that helps with probably illegal activities going on there. Give some presence to the the tenants that you do care and you are coming by the property. What else can you guys help prevent in that aspect? Well, I mean, I I think that's... uh as far as like our on-site visits, that's probably the, the biggest thing, right? Illegal activity, people hanging out or busted pipes outside that sometimes you won't recognize unless you go there. But I think, you know, a good property manager should have like a preventive program, right? And we always left that up to the owners for when we started. I would let owners know, listen, let me know if you want me to go do an inspection. But most investors, right, they want to save money and they don't see that as value initially. But when they start seeing, you know, big unexpected repairs, where they got to replace an HVAC that was recently replaced three years ago. Yeah. They start feeling that. So I think it's our job as professionals and, and people who have experience to educate our investors as seasoned as they may be, because sometimes, again, you're looking at the bottom dollar, but when a $200, $400 investment per year per property can save you $5,000, it starts making a little more sense. Yeah. So I think the preventive inspections are, are important, you know, just to go make sure there's no unauthorized pets in the property. Yeah, and some of these you can pass on to the tenant anyway. So it's not like myself as the owner has to always pay these fees. Like if you go in there, they don't have an air filter that is changed, and it's clearly that they haven't changed it in two years. You can bill that right back to them. Same Correct. with the dog. Yep. They got a dog in there. Exactly. So if they have a dog in there, you could do you could take several actions, right? You could get them out for an authorized pet, or you could go ahead and just add the pet fee, pet rent, and you could do it retroactively to when they sign the lease. Yeah. Because we do have that in our lease if we find an author, unauthorized pet. You can take it all the way back to the start. All the way back start. to the start of the lease. Yep. Even awesome. if I got the puppy halfway through. Yep. All yeah. The, because it didn't You should have told us. Yep. That's great. Yep. So we go retroactive. But the downside to that is sometimes, unfortunately, you know, that, that happens when you have, you know, some, some of your properties that are like $900 and above. When you right. have some of these lower end properties, you know, these folks won't have the money to pay. And if this, I mean, we went to a property a couple of weeks ago and they had a... a dog and apparently they left the dog in the kitchen 
and they had, we had to rip up vinyl flooring, subflooring. I mean, it was just wow. a mess. Yeah. So again, that's an expense. The owner, I mean, the tenant's responsible for, right? But how are you going to collect that? Yeah, that's big dollars. You're not getting that. Yeah. So we want to make sure we try to avoid that and, you know, get that tenant out because if we find out he has a pet, they don't want to pay the pet fee. We get them out two months into it. Maybe it's just the vinyl we got to replace. Right. Not going through the whole process of getting a whole flooring done there. So I think those are the type of things that, that you want to kind of prevent and avoid. And then as far as, you know, unreported repairs, that's something we also charge tenants for. You know, if we go somewhere and there's a leak that is visible and is damaging something, I mean, why didn't you report this? Yeah. A lot of times they don't report it because they're probably behind on their rent. So they, <laughs> they don't want to report anything because they don't want to call you and tell you, listen, I got a leak here where they owe $400, $400 right. balance. But that's why the inspections kind of filter all that stuff through. Yeah. So I think that's important. What about screening? Can we talk a little bit about screening? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think screening guys, I really believe is, it's crucial to getting tenants. And I think it's kind of an art because I think sometimes you got to go beyond just the application, right? I mean, we have a very thorough application. Application consists of, you know, criminal background, credit check, income verification, employment verification, rental history. But sometimes that, you know, you get that paper and it has all that information and that sometimes doesn't tell you the whole story. You may have somebody with some blemishes on their credit, and they may be great tenants. You know, there could have been homeowners who got, you know, caught up somehow in their finances, lost their home, and they know how to take care of a house, and, and they'll take great care of your home. You may have people with great credit that are, you know, slobs. <laughs> they won't take care of your house. So we try to go a little bit above and beyond that. Uh, I mean, there's been many times, and I think we've done it for a couple of your properties. We, we do an in-home visit sometimes. Okay. To their current residence? Yep. Okay. Yep. Like we, we get a, a, a tenant and if things just don't look 100%, we tell them, listen, we need to go do an in-home visit of your property. And that will tell us, uh, that's all we really need to know. Yeah, if you go to somebody's yeah. house and the house looks clean, pristine, in good shape, I mean, I, I would rather do that. If I could do that all the time, <laughs> I'd rather do that than run applications. Yeah. Yeah. yeah true, Absolutely. Because it tells you how they live. They're in yep. clean up, but there's very different levels of clean, yes. which I'm sure you've seen. There's <laughs> clean that's hoarding and a mess. Yeah, to them, it's all, it's all perspective. Yeah, right? yeah, it's all relative. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's cleaner than it was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't leave 100 beer cans out, and yeah. there's only 10. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. That's good for me. <laughs> yeah, there's only one crack pipe, but, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think that's that's. Uh, I mean, we've had great success with that. Yeah. yeah. What are you guys using to to screen tenants? Is there any software applications that some people can look into? Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of different software. I mean, uh, we have a platform that we we don't use them currently, but Buildium, are, yeah. they do applications, they do credit checks, and all that. We don't use them, unfortunately. We we kind of like to stick with what works. When we started, we started with Resident Research. Okay. And and they do all the thorough information. They check landlords. So somebody tells us, you know, this is the landlord I rent from and he owns that house. They look on re- on re- on public record to make sure that owner matches. Yeah. Right. If there's a mix up, it's a, it redlines it. Correct. It, yeah. it flags it for you. And then what we do, because sometimes, you know, we don't depend on just what they do there. We get a, the documentation, right? We'll find out everything that they, all the legwork they did to confirm the tenant's information. But we like to call, I, I like to call the landlords directly, like their previous landlords. And we train our property managers to do this. So they call in and they kind of finagle a little bit of what the answers that they, so the tenant tells us, listen, I pay $100 rent a month. I've been there for two years. We call us, say Kevin is the, the owner. We call him up, hey, Kevin, so I know, you know, you got Jim, he's one of your tenants. He's been there for seven years. And then 
if Kevin says, yeah, yeah, he's been there for seven years, then okay, that's a little bit of a red flag to me because he's only been there for two. <laughs> yeah. Right? And he says his rent is $1,500 a month. Is that, is that right? I love it. And then he would say, yeah, it's 1500 And we know that that's a fake landlord there. Right? Yeah, right. So that's okay. a lot of, yeah, I love it. Absolutely. And um, so that's kind of, kind of how we get out. And then we know there's a problem there. Yeah. So right there, that's a flag for us. And we'll start kind of weeding out some of the... So you start out the conversation with the landlord reference, assuming that it's not actually the landlord? Correct. I like that yeah. angle. That's yeah. good. That's good. And then they, they'll correct us, right? The true landlord will be like, five mm. years. No, no. I think moved in, you know, 2015. Like they'll, and, they'll, and you can genuinely tell if somebody's being genuine with you, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, so that's a good way we've, we've done that. I mean, we got fake pay stubs. Fake landlords are very popular. Um, yeah. I had a military guy one time issue me a, a fake certificate that he needed to go abroad. And I found out later that he th- I let him out of the lease because that's one thing you've got to let yep. legally. You've yep. got to let somebody have a lease if they've got to go overseas. He, yeah, he gave me a fake one. I didn't know. Wow. I let him out. And then like two months later, I found out. I was like, they're very resourceful. Man. <laughs> they, are. they are. Yeah. If they could put this to like making money, yeah. then we wouldn't have to worry about kicking them out. You know, it's Seriously. crazy. Seriously. It is. It is tough. You got to be very careful with this tenants, man, for sure. Well, tell us about fair housing. Is that important today? Yeah. I mean, first of all, let's start off just for everyone. What is fair housing? Well, listen, I think, I mean, fair housing, basically you have to be very careful, right? Because it's something that. You know, if you're not educated on what you should and can't say, you know, familial status, you know, race, origin, religion, all that type of stuff can come back to bite you. And they can shut you down. Like fair Take housing. Your license. Yeah, fair housing can shut you down. No, so fair housing, listen, this funny story. I would they reported us to fair housing. I want to say two years ago. We had we managed a building and is operated by a fob system. The fob broke. It's an antiquated fob system. I mean, we had to order a motherboard from, you know, I don't know, California. It took like six months. This lady came in and said, you know, she needed the fob to work. And we said, listen, we've done everything we can. We ordered the board. To our bad luck, the board came in. It was the wrong one. Then we had to order a different one. So in any case, she came in. She said she was handicapped. You know, she was African-American. And we told, okay, well, listen, that's fine. All of a sudden, we get a notice from Fair Housing saying that we discriminated against her because she was African-American and she had a disability and we didn't attend to her needs. Wait, so she was already living in the property? Yes, she and lived she there. declared that since this fob system went down, this antiquated fob system went down, that you somehow did that on purpose? Correct. <laughs> I'm just checking. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's- so, I mean, luckily, everybody in the building complained and we have proof of the same thing we told everybody. Yeah, right. But in the meantime, it's not though, just her system that broke. It's no, everyone's. Yes, everybody. 90, 90 units. So it's 90 tenants. Yeah. And owners, because some is a condo. So some owners live there. But the downside to this, though, is the fair housing gets involved. And now they request every lease, every notice to vacate that we've had for that building wow. for the past three years. So although nothing was wrong and we didn't, you know, we, we, we cleared. The hurdle, I mean, we had to spend hours upon hours just getting yeah. documentation, getting information. You were slacking something. on my properties. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but listen, for housing, we, we, right, we, right. I saw that. I was like, holy cow. But um, but again, the the it's important, but I just think some people abuse that type of stuff when they know about it. Yeah. You know, she she called the mayor. 
Oh, is this this is in Charlotte? Yeah. Wow. She called the mayor. She called the fire department. I got a call from the fire department. She said, "What's going on with the lady's fob?" <laughs> I was like, "Everybody's fob is down." So I went. I had to meet the fire marshal there and show him that my fob and all our our, our team fobs were not operating. Wow. So it's a pain, but I think definitely it's important. We trained, especially since that happened, we definitely train all our team members. You know, we, we send them to a course to get um, educated on fair housing because, you know, it's easy to get into something that you, you'll you regret, right? Yeah, well, it's 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 interesting, too, from the investor and your side, too, because sometimes I feel like uh, I'm all for fair housing, first off, nothing against it. But at the same time, if you've got a tenant and you don't have a good feeling about it, it I feel like you're in a hard place sometimes where you can't say no to that tenant. And it's obviously nothing to do with the fair housing yep. distinction. It's just, hey, I don't have a good feeling about this, but I don't know. I can't say no to them because maybe um, they could, you know. They could say that you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we do, and and I learned this from when I, where I used to work before, is the person who does our applications and goes through our approval to the tenant is not the same person who showed the property. Mm. Ah, smart. All right. So if we get an application, we have a separate person that does that. She communicates with him. She does everything and she'll decline him or approve him. Yeah. And I learned this from where I used to work before. We had a gentleman who was a transgender and uh, my, my wife at the time used to work where I worked before too, and she did the. Approval. I was worried where that was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> so uh, she declined somebody, and then this guy we get a, a complaint through the Better Business Bureau saying that we declined him or wow. her because she was. It, it was a transgender, and we, we didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. We had no clue. Yeah. Sarah was like, well, how would I know that? I never even showed you the property. Like that's, and, and that saved us through the Better Business Bureau. Wow. So we've always kept that. Yeah. We, we said no matter what happens, the applications are going to be approved and declined by a, a person that just has nothing to do with the showing itself. Right. Yeah. Sometimes luck is just on your side, right? Oh, I got to tell you, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've had a little bit of everything, man. So I think we've, we've kind of cut our teeth with uh, all these tenants for sure. This might be a good time to get into, uh, I, I put it on that I'd want to ask you about this, but like you're bilingual and I've got to think that's a big help for you, especially in, in today's market. It's helped us a lot. Uh, it's really, it really has with tenants and investors as well. You know, I mean, we have 85% of our team is fully bilingual, speak it, write it, read it. And, you know, a lot of these folks, you know, we advertise on all, all these groups, you know, which we started doing now, like on the social media. Because a lot of these, uh, from the Hispanic community in particular, they don't really have the same uh, knowledge as to where to look for properties at some of, you know, our people that don't speak uh, Spanish. So we're kind of targeting them. And we've developed a niche for that. I mean, we have a lot of tenants that are Hispanic and and investors as well. And I got to tell you, they pay their rent on time. Yeah. They pay their rent on time. They, um, you know, and, and they're happy when they're able to, you know, we kind of educate them on how to report their stuff online they look for the property online and you know a lot of times they have kids but they're younger so they don't know about that type of stuff where they look for properties yeah so um it's helped us tremendously yeah i mean it checks a lot of boxes just from your screening the tenant i mean for example i don't speak spanish i try i'm trying to pick it up <laughs> it's not it's not good so I mean, yeah i mean i can't properly screen a tenant fairly i don't feel like i can be fair to the tenant screening them yeah I can't communicate all the time. If they got a problem, there's an issue there. Yep. So, I mean, you can really check a lot of the boxes off. 
it's helped us out a lot, like I said. And, and I mean, when we translate stuff for them, right? So, I mean, we have our contracts, our applications. We put them in Spanish, too. Wow. So they can feel comfortable. They understand what they're reading. Because, again, we have... We hold them to the standards, right? So we let them know we're going to evict you by the six if you don't pay your rent. Yeah. So we want to make sure they understand that. So we make yeah. sure all that stuff is in Spanish as well. So when they sign it, they know what they're signing. Yeah. No, but it's, it's, a, great, it's a great help. This is kind of off the uh, mark, but I'm told that let's say a tenant comes in that's, well, they can be whatever, but they don't have a driver's license. Mm-hmm. They might not have a green card. Is there anything you can help them with? How does that, how does that work? Well, yes, we do. I mean, they have what's when they're legally here and they're able to work, they'll get a W-7. Okay. Okay. Which is kind of a, a social or permit to work per se. So they're not technically legal yet, but they have, it's like a tax ID that yeah. they're able to work. They're able to get credit on that. So we accept that. Obviously for the purposes of protecting our landlord's investment, you know, if somebody comes and they don't have a W-7, they don't have a, so they don't have ID it's tough for us to rent to those folks. So we tell them, listen, you're going to need to get something for us because, you know, credit is one thing, right? Where we know who the person is and if they damage the property, could always put a judgment on them. But when you have somebody that doesn't have anything, it's tough to kind of safeguard yeah. the properties. So with a W-7, usually what we do is we actually require a two-month deposit as well. Okay. Because, you know. Just like have, you said. Yeah. yeah there's nothing to fall back on. Exactly. That way, you know, at the very minimum, our investor, our landlord is not going to be losing any any money if something were to happen, something were to go south. Right. So is that W-7 is, I'm, I apologize for my ignorance no. on this subject, but is that W-7 like a minimum they have to have to get a property? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We require W-7. So if somebody comes to us, I don't have a W, and it's not that hard, difficult to get. So, I mean, they should get it. But uh, yeah, if they don't have a W-7, then we unfortunately don't rent to them. Okay. Interesting. Yep. What are some of the uh, the best marketing channels that you guys use to fill vacant units, whether it's apartments or single family houses? What have you seen the most success? I know it sounds like bilingual niche in itself has been great for you guys. What are some other other sources you've been able to find tenants? Well, I mean, I, I think the short answer to that is you advertise everywhere you can, right? right. You want to get the most <laughs> exposure you want. But uh, I mean, definitely all the listing sites, right? All the syndicating partners like Zillow, Trulia, we advertise on all of those. Which one do you enter it through that hits them all? I mean, I, I got to tell you, the, the most successful one that I've had, I don't know why realtors don't do it as much as the MLS. Yeah. Uh, I think the hmm. MLS, you know, people look at it just for buying and selling. Right. You know, and we do, you know, we do buying and selling as well. But I think for rentals, brokers always have a pool of people, whether it be family members, friends, clients that either selling, buying or moving, they don't want to buy or can't buy. So they'll have some referral for you uh, to get your properties filled. And I think the MLS platform, when it comes to syndicating, is by far the best. Yeah. Like we we syndicate through like apartments.com, you know, Show Mojo. We have right. a lot of different websites that syndicate, but MLS is the quickest and the most efficient, I think. Some of the other ones take like 24 hours for it to like populate everywhere. MLS, I put it today and today I'm start, I start getting leads wow. from the MLS listing. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I'm an agent, as you know. Some people, I'm always hesitant sometimes to put rentals in the MLS. I don't really know why. Maybe because, you know, maybe I think I'm going to be held to a different accountability. Yep. But you should be held to a different, you should be held to a certain amount of accountability anyway. So it's interesting to hear you say, because I know there's a lot of guys in town that don't use the MLS. They don't. Yeah. And I didn't for the first year or so because I, I felt like, we were already advertising everywhere, right? Like the MLS syndicates to the exact same websites I'm already syndicating to. 
But what I found uh, just over the last year or so is when I do listen to the MLS, I notice a difference in the lead amount. And it's not all from brokers. Right. It's just, again, Zillow and Trulia. I just think maybe they have a better platform that just kind of, you know, hits it harder. Uh, but we get a lot more response from when we listen to the syndicating size of the MLS list from what some of the other partners do it. Right. Do you guys do anything with social media like Facebook or Instagram or even Craigslist? Yeah. Well, Craigslist we do across the board. Uh, I think Craigslist is always a good source. You know, sometimes they steal your ads and you got to deal with that. Uh, what do you mean that they steal your ads? Well, you get once in a blue moon, you know, you, you got a nice house listed for, you know, a thousand bucks a month. All of a sudden you start getting bombarded with phone calls. You're like, wow, my ad really worked. Right. And then she's like, yeah, I just saw this for $500. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Where did you see that? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I spoke to the doctor. He's in Nigeria, the owner, and he wants me to mail him. Oh, the deposit, right? Yes. Yes, the deposit. $500 uh, money, Western Union. But uh, I just wanted to call you first to see if I could take a look at it. Yeah. Human beings are hilarious. Why'd she, why did that guy put your number on that? He didn't. She did some more research. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Assuming. Yeah. That's what, that's what happens. Good and it's sad that, I mean, we've heard people that they actually, you know, send money out. Yeah. Unfortunately. I, I went into uh, close on a, on a property. This is probably back in 12, 13 in the heyday of foreclosures. And it was bank owned and. I was closing on it on Thursday, let's say, and I walked it on Wednesday just to make sure it was still there, it didn't burn down, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I just noticed something, and I knocked on the door, and sure enough, there was somebody living in it. Oh, my God. And, of course, they spoke Spanish, and I couldn't get any, <laughs> I couldn't get any English out of them. So you should have so hired I, me then. I, I might have called you. This I might have called you, William, or I called somebody, and I'm like, hey, help me out here. I need some translating. And basically, it was the same situation. She so said, oh, no, this guy... He let me in. I'm paying him rent. I pay him cash every Friday. Like, oh, geez. So I, I don't remember. It's been five, six, seven years. I, I think I called the the other, I called the bank essentially. And I'm like, look, I can't buy this house. You got to get this tenant out of here. I'm not dealing with that. Yeah, so. yeah. It happens. It happens, unfortunately. People wow. get caught up in that and, and you know, and they do it. But uh, back to social media. I, we, we started using social media heavily, you know, probably end of last year. I mean, it's free advertising, man, you know, especially like all these, you know, groups, like I said, the Hispanics are in a lot of these groups, right? even, uh, you know, investors, they got a lot of like real estate investors and they also have a lot of, you know, clients that may want properties and rentals. So I think Instagram and Facebook, I think are, are good sources for you to advertise. Yeah. Are you guys posting in like locals? Like we live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Are you guys posting in like Charlotte? like find rental groups? Are you posting in like the marketplace where there's like a housing section or where have you found the most success? Well, I think we're doing all of them now across the board. Okay. So we go into some groups, we go into the marketplace. Obviously we'll listen to our own Facebook page or Instagram page, but I think uh, putting it into those groups is the key. You know, I think, you know, you have to have a lot of followers for them to go into your website and look for it, but right. they just come right. out wherever they're looking at it, just in their, in their face. And the more you can do it, the better. That's awesome. And like, how do you manage leads from all these different platforms that they are out there, like Facebook, Instagram, Craigslist, Zillow, Truly, like you name it. Are you just waiting for phone calls or forms to be filled out? Or like, what do you do when you get like 15 or 20 messages an hour after you post it on Facebook? Well, I mean, basically the way on our ad, we have a, a platform that we kind of partner with, which is Show Mojo, similar to Showing Time. Okay. And they can go ahead and they, they get in there, they set up an appointment, you know, they can basically do it via text or online. And um, and then obviously if they have any particular questions on the property, they just give us a call to the office. 
Yeah, awesome. I hadn't heard of Show Mojo yet, so that's new to me. I, I marked it down on my my <laughs> notes here. I'm going to check that out after we get off here. I mean, I got to tell you, just it, it has helped us uh, with so much downtime. When we didn't have this, we would get, like you said, you know, hundreds of calls just for, hey, how much is the rent? I mean, and it's listed, right? <laughs> yes. Of course. Yeah. How many bedrooms is it? Yeah. So does it have a kitchen? <laughs> exactly. Look at the other photos. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. So it's like yeah. wasting so much manpower and time on stuff that's there already, and then booking the appointment, put entered in the calendar. So this thing is synced with our calendars. Uh, we add calendars in there. It auto confirms the appointment every two hours. So then, if it doesn't confirm, we don't send our agent there. So they can, That's they can awesome. confirm via so text. So it'll send like a text or something saying, yep. hey, confirm. So they'll get an automated text message saying, listen, you know, you were scheduled to see this property on such and such street at 1 o'clock p.m. Please press Y to confirm. Uh, if you don't confirm, it's going to, you know, we're not going to show it. Yeah. That sort of thing. So uh, I, I, we've had great success with it. We love it. Yeah, that's a huge one. We'll definitely check that out. I got another question for you. I just kind of came up with it. But when you're showing these properties and you're listing these properties, are there any amenities right now that if a house has it, you're like, oh, man, I'm so glad this house has this. It's going to rent out quick. <sighs> I mean, I think not so much amenities, but uh, I mean, I just think the upgrades is kind of what helps. Okay. Right. You know, I think, you know, everybody and I, I tell this to all the investors, I don't care where the house is located. It could be in a rough side of town. You can make the rough side of town be the nicest house where somebody that's accustomed to living there wants to live in a in a nice place. So you know, I think like you know, just appliances. Look at just looking, making the house looks nice. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, sometimes some investors because of you know the ROI, they don't want to invest as much as they as we would like sometimes. But uh, but I think when you do it, just you get a different quality tenant, regardless of where you are, and they're gonna tend to stay there longer. You know, they're, they're not going to move so quickly because a lot of times tenants move. Obviously, there's some things you can't control why they move, right? They need more space right. or relocation. But if all things being equal, if they have a nice house, they don't want to move. Yeah, you know, moving right. is a headache. It's expensive. And I, I think most people prefer not to move. But, you know, if you have, you know, something nicer that you can get for even, as, you know, a little bit more, that's why they'll do that. Yeah. So I think like, you know, appliances is good. Paint, nice flooring, nice cabinets, nice counter. Just making the house look good in general. I think that's kind of the key. Yeah, that different parts of town. Like if you go into a bad part of town per se and and fix it up, that I don't feel like that's always been true. I think that's been more recent, at least in Charlotte. I mean, we've become so transient. I think folks move here and they're not really keen on what is the good part of town or what isn't the bad. You know, but you show them a nice house and they're like, oh, this fits the bills and it's a little cheaper than I yeah, expected. Yeah, it's $200 cheaper. Yeah. And it's yep. beautiful. I'm saving money. Yeah. I think that's that's true. For, I, I mean, especially I think here we get so many people from out of state. Right. Right. That, you know, you got a lot of people from New York that come from New York and they'll be paying, you know, $1,300 a month for a studio apartment in a rough part of the neighborhood. <laughs> they come here. And they're like, for $800, they get twice the square footage. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Still in a li- slightly rough area. Yeah, but, <laughs> but they're used to it, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I have a tenant now that she's been great. She's from she's from New York, from the Bronx. She moved into one of the roughest blocks that we have right now still on Effingham, which is <laughs> familiar. Rough. You familiar? I'm okay. familiar. Is this on Kevin's property? Enderley Park. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Enderley Park. I sold mine. Uh, or you, you had one there? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One on Mathis. Okay, okay, yeah, Mathis, around the corner from right. there. But Effingham, it's literally, there's just, I mean, I've spoken to the police. We've we've had meetings. I mean, there's like two crack spots right in front of this house. 
And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I go every time I go there. It's like, you know, they scatter. Right. So uh, I told the owner, I said, listen, I don't think you want to spend a lot, a lot of money in here. Well, the property was vacant. We renovated this property four times. Yeah. Because they broke in four times. Wow. Before you even rented it. Yep. Yeah. I, we finished the renovation, break in. Yard go sale. back in. Rent, uh, and then we put steel doors. They broke the steel doors. I, I told the owner, I said, I'm going to put an alarm in here. That we put the alarm, literally. We're waiting for it to get connected. They broke in and stole the alarm. Oh, my God. <laughs> so luckily, this tenant saw it. Now they it. have an alarm. Yeah. L- <laughs> luckily, this tenant saw it. She's from New York. She said, listen, these guys don't scare me. I just want you to make it right, and I'll, I'll move in. Wow. So we went in there. We made it right. She moved in, and, and you know, we've, she's fine with the, with the activity outside. But, you know, now she's wanting new windows. She wants a new HVAC. I thought you said you love this girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's staying there. She's, yeah. she's weathering the storm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that, that uh, location. It's, yes. it's changing, though, quickly, oh. you know. I mean, it's a lot of gentrification. You know, that, that bubble around downtown is just expanding and expanding. I mean, Enderly Park, it's, it's uh, I mean, I'm sure you know probably better than I do, but I mean, f- five years ago, it's just, I mean, you could pick up stuff for 30000 probably. That'd be, yeah, that'd be on the high end. On the high end, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was really rough all around. And now, right. again, now you only have maybe Effingham, unfortunately, and maybe another block or two that are kind of rough around the edges, but you got houses setting for, you know, 280 yeah. you know? It's it's insane. Wow. And it's really nice. I mean, it's it's and it's so close to the city there. Yeah, you can't get much closer. Yeah, you got the breweries right around the block too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, so hopefully, well, that'll change soon because I need those guys out of there. <laughs> I was thinking about the proximity to those breweries. Does that ever come up? Like, I I'm not in the game renting these out. I haven't managed properties since this brewery explosion in Charlotte. Does that actually even come up in in interviews or or, or people wanting to move here? Do they ask about that? Well, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think we give them an opportunity to ask because we kind of pitch that, okay. right? So whenever we have that, we kind of let them know. And obviously, they we get some positive you know, feedback on it. But as far as somebody asking for it, I don't think we've encountered that. Yeah. But again, when we're showing it, we're, you know, we're letting we're them know, listen, it. the, bro- yeah, the here. coffee shop, the Correct. co-working, like the entertainment venues, everything. Exactly. So we pitched it up front. So it has something to do with it, I, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you have any advice for investors who are trying to figure out whether they should invest in like C-class properties versus like a B or B plus? Do you have any advice on, because like when you look at a D or C-class property, it looks like a cash flow is amazing. Like mm-hmm. you buy it for 40 grand, it rents for 800. What could go wrong? <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you have any advice from uh, probably doing a lot of financials over an extended period of time, how that pans out? Well, listen, I, it, you hit it right on the head, Jim. Uh, I think, um, you know, I have investors that buy properties, you know, for 30,000 and uh, I have a guy who, who has some properties in Salisbury, right. And they're rough areas in Salisbury. And he told me that's my best performing property. You know, he paid thirty thousand. We got to rent it for like seven hundred, and um, luckily we've had some, but we haven't had a lot of turnover there, right? Yeah. Now that's not the norm. Uh, I mean, I think it just really depends on what the investor is looking for, in my opinion. I mean, I I like more of those C class properties as long as they're in areas like an Effingham where right. you know the appreciation is coming, come, right? Yeah. But you have some investors that don't want to deal with that. You know, yeah. they'd rather pay two hundred thousand, rent it for fourteen hundred. And kind of not worry about it, right? Now the return is not there. Like you're not, you don't have a whole lot of a potential appreciation. But me, 
I, I like that. I, you know, that, that's kind of where I think people should invest in, you know. It's so like markets that are appreciating but still C-class. Correct. Okay. Because I think that's where you're going to see the most bang for your buck, yeah. right? You're going to get, I mean, obviously you're going to deal with a lot of renovations and turns and all that sure. stuff. But, you know, I think in the long, in 10 years, that $40,000 property is 150. You could, you could sustain all the headaches you had during those four or five years. So like for people that aren't in Charlotte, um, and don't know this particular area, what are some of the signs that you guys start to notice where like an area is going to be transitioning and is gonna, gonna like revitalize? Is it breweries, coffee shops, new builds? Like, what do you look for of going like, okay, in five years, this is going to appreciate. Well, Cause I know we've seen it here in Plaza Midwood, Noda, yeah. parts of West Charlotte. I mean, it, for me, it's usually just driving by the location a couple of times. If it's, if it's suffice to say that I wouldn't feel comfortable there any time, <laughs> any time of the day, you know, 10 a.m. or 10 p.m., that's usually uh, that's got some more that that needs more seasoning before, that. before you're ready, before I'm ready to jump in there. But uh, I mean, I've gone into areas where you can drive by at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. and it's a pretty good area. And if you can get a value in there, you know, if you can buy it well under anything else around the city, that's good enough for me. Lot size, too. You know, some of these areas you'll see where. The lots are a little bigger, which is going to, you know, provide a bigger backyard, which right. is always, mm-hmm. you know, tenants always like a nice yard yep. when they can. You got a bigger yard. I feel like that's a good thing to look for. What do you got, William? Well, yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think the yards are, are, are definitely, that's one of the things you asked me earlier about amenities. I think our yard, it's important. I think a lot of people like to spend time in the backyard, especially here in Charlotte. We get for the, I know not recently, but for the most, we get, we get good weather more time of the year. So I think a lot of people like to, you know, to do their barbecues, spend time with their families. So, so I think that's a good one uh, as far as, um, you know, the previous question. But I mean, I, I think, I think when you start seeing new builds, you know, you, you got, you know, builders that, you know, they, they, sometimes they, these guys, they know uh, a little bit ahead of the curve, right? What's going on. Right. And, and they, you, when you start seeing new properties come up or, or just kind of renovating them, even if it's not new builds, just if you start seeing a lot of people just kind of rehabbing properties, yeah, that's always a good sign. I think. I, I think that's look out for dumpsters. Yeah, they got a big thirty yard dumpster yep. out there. They're doing some serious work. And you see four of those in a neighborhood. You know, something's that's a good going sign. On. Yeah, yeah. So like, for instance, over there by um, like Thomas Bourne House, like I'm, I'm starting to see that over there. Oh yeah, and uh, close to like Welling. Yep. I mean, you have a lot of contractors now and investors, you know, they're, they're kind of rehabbing these properties and repositioning them. And I think that's, that's a positive thing. That's yeah. awesome. I wasn't sure on that area when I bought mine. I was like, this could go either way, you know? <laughs> I got to tell you, and even into recent years, yeah, I mean, it's taken a lot for, for being so close to the city, that area has really taken long to kind of, you know, transition. Yeah. There's been some bad, bad properties over in that area. Yeah. Just dilapidated. Yeah. But I think that I started to, I mean, you guys, you know, people building new stuff there now. I think it's it's oh, it's another, for sure. Yeah, I think in four to five years it'll be a different neighborhood there. And let's not forget, you're you're vested in there too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling hard, man. I'm pulling hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely invested in there. That's an interesting topic because uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. Spin, <laughs> okay. spin it over on you. You've got a historic property that you're renovating for your office. Correct. 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 And it's a mostly all brick building, right? Yep. And you're going through. All, everything, the zoning, the yes. permitting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, obviously we're very excited about that and, you know, we're going ho about it, but, um, you know, it's, it's been challenging. Uh, luckily we knew we were, we were expecting it. I mean, I, I did, you know, pick your brain. I picked a couple of people's 
Brandon some experience on on stuff like this. And but you know, it's listen, it's an old building. It was the headquarters to one of the mills that were here in Charlotte. There's only two left in the city of Charlotte in its uh, intact condition uh, or as intact as it can be. And and that's one of them. You know, it was one of the nicest one back in the early 1900s. And that used to be kind of the hub for producing, you know, jobs, offering jobs. And so it's about 5,300 square feet. And yeah, we're getting our teeth knocked down with the zoning, man. <laughs> uh, we're, we're working hard and trying to get that done, but they, they want us to squeeze 10 parking spaces in an area that can only fit two. Oh, uh, wow. What is the zone now? Uh, well, it's zoned commercial. The problem is, uh, you know, based on, you know, the historic department zoning, they, they don't really play nice with each other with what they want. So what happens is, you know, based on the square footage and the location, you have to have a certain amount of parking spaces right. allocated for it. And there's just not enough space to, you know, in order to get them on site and conform with zoning, it's impossible. So that's where we're kind of stuck right now. We're yeah. still stuck on that. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll get it. I mean, we got shared parking agreements in place. We just got to kind of cross that bridge as how many parking spaces we need to have on our parcel. Yeah, it's an interesting topic because the previous owner sold it to you and it was combined at that point, right? Yep. So it wasn't an issue until, Correct. until you cut it apart. So yep. to speak, and now it's not part of the larger property. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's a tough one. Yeah, I feel for you on that. Yeah, no, it's tough. And I mean, listen, we we temporarily moved to a space thinking this thing would be ready in six months. Luckily, in my head, I had kind of for twelve. But now, even those twelve, it's going to be twelve in November, <laughs> and I'm thinking those twelve is probably not going to be not enough, not enough. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, but you know, I, I'm I'm optimistic we'll cross that bridge soon. Yeah, I need you to finish this up so you're not spending time on your own project. <laughs> you can spend more time on your on your investments. Luckily, I haven't started spending time on that yet. Like, yeah. I really haven't. All I've done is spend money on an architect and trying to get get stuff done. So I really haven't dove into it that much. And I'm I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't happen in summer because summertime is always busy with rentals. So uh, if we could get stuff done and start in October, that I'll, I'll be a happy camper. Yeah, that, that's you just bring up uh, something we haven't chatted about, and I, I think you and I have had that discussion before. Where I'm anti letting you guys end a lease any time in the winter. I absolutely know it's a it's a challenge getting a new tenant any time in the winter. So anytime we can extend that lease, whenever they're signing it, if they sign in December, I'm always pushing you to, hey, make sure it ends in April, yep. not in December. Well, actually, uh, funny thing you say, Kevin, we have uh, our leases unless, I'm not going to lose a tenant over it, right? But if somebody signs a lease, we don't end leases between September 30th through December 31st. I mean, mm. through January 31st. Yeah. So the soonest lease would end is the end of February. Yeah. Because if we get it by March 1st, I mean, you, people start getting tax money back, yeah. right? We, it takes us a week or two to get it ready. So it, it goes live at the right time. But obviously, listen, if I have a tenant that's well-qualified, wants to move in this month and tells me, listen, either I signed the lease for 12 months or I'm walking, then I'm going to sign that lease. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but other than that, we try, to, we try to extend those or even make them shorter sometimes just to make sure we get them between February and August. Right. When you have a new property that is vacant, how do you figure out how much you can increase the price from the, the previous rental? Do you test the marketing, get a feel for it? Do you just reanalyze the neighborhood? Like, what do you guys do? Well, there's a couple of things we do, and that, that's a good question. One is we pretty much got our hands on the poles on all, all these properties because we got properties spread out through everywhere. But we do pass by the property and the neighborhood because this block can give you 
a different feel than the next block. I mean, you have some blocks that are kind of, you know, unattended. You got, you know, people with furniture out there. Right. And that's going to impact what you can rent the property for. So I think the, the again, the upgrade the property has is key for, for the rental amount you're going to charge, the location where it is, and, and the neighbors you have. I mean, we've had properties that are renovated. I mean, granite looks good, but the next door neighbor is a hoarder with appliances outside, and it's just tough to get those things rented. So you got to be careful. Or sold, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sold, for sure. Yeah. So you got to be careful. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, investors, obviously, they want the most they can get, right? Right. And, you know, if we fill a property, let's say, listen, we could get it rented quickly for $900. they will be like, no, I want to do it for 1200 And that's all fine and dandy. But sometimes, those, you know, to try to get this for two, $300, if you sit four months on a property, three months on a property, is it really worth it? Yeah, yeah. You know, so sometimes, you know, we got we to gotta kind of... Let our investors know and let them know. Listen, we can maybe get those fourteen hundred, but you really want to wait two months for that, yeah. you know, or or lose the current tenant you've got, right? Exactly. So I think sometimes it's better to take a little bit less if yeah. if we can get a field quicker with a good tenant, of course, right? Yep, absolutely. So I think that that helps. But um, the rents are going so high down now that I mean, you might as well try, you know, shoot for the fences for a week or two and see what you can get. Yeah, because it's I mean they're they're. So you even get surprised sometimes. Oh, you? I got to tell you, I had a, a a new client the other day. I went by the property. I did my research. I said, listen, I think we could get, you know, 1300 bucks. It doesn't have a garage. I We have a property near there and all the other properties were listed for 1300 with a garage. So I went on the high side. He said, I kind of want to get a 1400 I said, all right, listen, that's fine. We can listen for 1400 you know, that uh, if we get it, great. But if not, we'll lower it down. I promise you, we got, we listed it. Within three days, we had an application and it came back approved. Wow. So I went back to the guy and I said, listen, you were right. 1400 it is. Yeah. So now he gave me another house and he was overpricing it for 100 bucks. I said, listen, the first time you were right, I'm, I'm about to get that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with what you say right now. It was better for us too, right? Yeah. You yeah, know? you get more. Yeah. Everybody makes out. Yeah. But yeah, no, so we, we visit the property for the most part and just make sure that the property is looking good and then the immediate neighbors and the neighborhood. And then we could kind of assess and recommend from there right but do you try to it sounds like since the market's appreciating so much you try to start a little bit ahead of where you think you might end up and yeah. just work your way down yeah absolutely i mean it's always easier to drop the rent than bring the rent up yeah so we definitely recommend and i i have some investors that they're telling me listen i don't want to push the rent you know because you know i, I want a tenant there for three years and sometimes when you have that high rent you may not keep that tenant for right a, long time. a higher turn but and listen, and it works sometimes, right? But I, in my opinion, I just think we have so many different things going on in today's day. New jobs, people relocating, people they change jobs, cars and houses like they change underwear. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that analogy is good because if we get a house that we grew in for twelve hundred, rent it out for nine hundred dollars, just to try to keep that rent there for three years. Now, if you only keep it there for one year, then you just lost three hundred dollars a year that you could have gotten. So I, I I don't know what to subscribe to that, but definitely you want to be within market to try to get a rent quicker. That's helpful. Yeah, to your neighboring property, I was just thinking about, I built a, a new construction just a few months ago. And as I was building it, I didn't notice, but I'm finishing up and I'm looking across the street and there's, just like you were talking about, there's lawnmowers. There's like 40 lawnmowers in this guy's yard. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to put a privacy <laughs> fence up here. <laughs> sure enough, I did and it was sold. It was fantastic. Yeah, but you have to do that though. You got to, yeah. You yeah. have to do that. If not, it's impossible. Right. I wanted to ask you about some tenant responsibilities that you might be able to pass, like, are there tenant responsibilities that, that you can give to them that might end up saving the, the, the landlord money in the long run? 
This is, um, I've had a lot of owners ask me that question and my answer is no. Okay. Let me tell you why. You cannot expect the tenants to take care of a house they rent for your best interest, right? So for instance, one of the th- biggest thing is air filters. We have always had air filters and gutters for single family homes, a tenant responsibility. Same thing with landscaping, all right? Tenants are, or especially if they've never been homeowners, they're not going to abide by that. And ultimately the person is hurting is the, the landlord, the investor. Right. For instance, landscaping, I mean, they'll cut it once in a while, but they don't really take care of the grass. Gutters, they're not going to get a ladder or pay somebody to go and clean the gutters. And it could be a liability too, right? Yeah. You know, they're getting up yeah. there, they fall down. Now all of a sudden this is your house. Yeah. And, why were know? they up there, right? Yeah. You told oh, them to. Yeah. The guy told me to do it. <laughs> My property manager told me to do it. So I think those type of things, we want to take that off their hands. You know, yeah. I think the one thing we we do and all property, a good property manager should always do is like stop-ups, like property damage. And this is what, again, this is why the uh, preventive maintenance in, inspections are important. But, you know, if it's a stop-up, nine times out of 10 is a tenant that's causing it. All yeah. right? Unless it's roots, root-related, like outside of the main, yeah. it's always going to be the tenant through paper towels, a towels, bunch of grease, grease, hair. So those are the type of stuff you definitely should always pass on to your tenant. It's their responsibility, right? They should not throw things they shouldn't down the toilet, down the sink and so forth. But I'm a little hesitant, uh, you know, even with air filters, I've always done it. And we go to these places. I have an owner who delivers the air filters. When they moved out, there were 16 air filters in the closet, brand new. (laughs) So you gotta you gotta do more and deliver them. I don't think it's a bad idea to send you guys in there a couple of times a year. You're putting eyes on the property, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think and I think that's what that's 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 what helps, right? It prevents the life of the HVAC. You find out how the property is being taken care right. of, right? And you don't have any worries about that. But yeah, so this this owner would send, and when we moved out, it was like eighteen of them in the closet, and a, oh, an old one in the on the yeah. grill. So uh, at least he had one in there. <laughs> Sometimes it gets so dirty. They're like, I just, just got to take it off. This. Yeah. yeah. God, airflow is just horrible. <laughs> but I felt bad. This guy would come out and call us. Hey, William, tell him I'm going to drop off two more. And he'll go take time out of his day, go buy them, drop them off. And, and sure enough, they were all stop, stockpiling on the Oh, man. <laughs> awful, man. Awful. What about like minor maintenance, though? I mean, is there a limit to what you can have? Them? I mean, obviously, you're not coming out to change light bulbs. Yeah, no. But beyond that, is there any other minor maintenance you can? Well, again, I, I would love for them to take care of a lot of stuff. The problem is, who's doing the work? You know, yeah. what, what? You know, what do they do? You know, if they're going to fix a, a faucet, where they're going to put tape on it so you just you don't see the water coming in, it just falls in the back. So yeah. that's what I get concerned about with some of these tenants. And I have tenants sometimes call us. They say, "Oh, listen, my brother's really handy. We can fix it." I I tell them just let us send somebody there. Yeah, because. In essence, we'll be liable, right? Yeah. If somebody fixes it and says, oh, the property manager authorized it, now they go and now we have a big issue. So I get concerned with that. But um, I mean, I, I know all of the commercial leases we have, they handle all repairs up to $5,000. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a, you know, it's commercial property, but I mean, I, I guess a little bit of a risk. I'm of the opinion, I, I think you don't let them do too much because you don't want it to mess up your property. Yeah. I had one the other, uh, it's probably a year or so ago, but they, they've been in there for like six years. They're just great. And, uh, they said an element was out there. No, they like troubleshooted. They, that they, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with the oven, but they went through all the troubleshooting on YouTube, figured out it was an element. So I shipped them one, like 
you know, prime uh-huh. sent right to their door and they're like, Oh, cool. Thanks. And so I was going to send somebody out and they're like, well, we got it. And we just watched another YouTube. We put it back in. So it's wow. like, I'm like, all right, you guys can like, do you guys want to do maintenance? On yeah. The side? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See, those, but, those are the type of tenants we need. Yeah. Like you want their number you one. Can use, yeah. You can use YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And that's it. And you could get anything on YouTube, man. And that's a lot of these tenants should be doing that more often. Well, we've talked about that. Like if there's a troubleshooting yep. problem, hey. You sent me some videos, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. I mean, YouTube is, is a, a, a tremendous resource, I think, for anything you need. I mean, I'm not the handiest guy, but if I speak to an electrician or a plumber or roofer, I'm going to hold my own. And they're, they're not going to know the difference. Yeah. They're yeah, not going to know that I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So how should uh, an investor find an awesome property manager? Like what are the things they should look for and ask whether it's their first property manager in a new city? Like how do they find like the new view of their city? Well, I got to tell you, I think obviously if they don't know anybody there, they have nobody to refer them. I, it, it's a lot of homework, I think. Right. I think for an investor, uh, I think, you know, their investment properties is, you know, it's, it's their prime jewel. Right. I think um, I think you got to do a lot of homework. I mean, I think the best is obviously a referral. And even then, when somebody refers, you, you should ask, uh, you know, what you like about them, what you know, what you have some issues with. But I think the most important thing, man, I think you got to you got to meet you got to meet them. And you, you got to be able to trust them, in my opinion. You know, I think if they're going to handle your finances with the property, you got to make sure you're, you're dealing with somebody that is doing things right and you have a good comfort level with that person and that you share the same views and goals, right? Because, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of property managers out there, a lot of them, you know, and, you know, some good, some so-so, some not so good. And uh, I think if you guys are on the same page as to what your long-term vision is for the property and you guys share that and you can... Uh, you know, trust each other. I, I think that's most important than anything else. Uh, obviously, fees are going to help, right, for investors. Right. They want to make sure the fees are competitive. So you want to make sure that there's no sort of hidden fees. Um, so you want to ask all those questions, where do they advertise, that sort of thing. But I, I think, um, you know, in, in my opinion, I think being able to communicate with your property manager and, and have a good relationship with them is key. Okay. Is there any, like, specific, like, check boxes that you'd recommend a new person to be able to quickly recognize a professional property manager from someone who's more of an amateur, like whether it's like quarterly financial reporting or they use show mojo or something like that. Maybe their response times to maintenance requests or work orders. Is there any like quick check boxes that someone can quickly figure out this person has potential or not? I should meet them. I should fly down there and meet them in Charlotte. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the things is, you know, like the advertising, right? Like you asked earlier where you advertise. I think you want to find out where the properties are being advertised because, you know, the most important thing is to try to get these properties rented and filled in. So I think the advertising is, is, is a, a major factor there. And yeah, you want to find out what the process is for communication with tenants and landlords. You know, what happens when you get a work order? What is that process? You know, when it gets completed, what happens then? Because, you know, in, in my opinion, I think when you when you have good communication, I think your your tenants are happy, your landlords are happy. There's no surprises. And sometimes people may not like, right, the answers you're going to give them or, or the message you're going to deliver. But as long as you're communicating, I, I don't think anybody can really get upset about it. I can't argue with that. I mean, you didn't create the problem. You're just trying to help, you know, get it fixed. Correct. Yep. 
and, and with tenants too. I mean, like I said, tenants, you know, and that's where the communication process is, is, is crucial to, I think, any property management company, because I think a tenant has an issue. And to us, we have hundreds of issues, right? We have no heat. We have a leak. We have a sewage backup. We have everything that we're dealing with. To the tenant, he has that one issue, one stove burner. Yeah. It right. could be one stove burner, but that's his stove burner. Yeah. Right. right? So they think this is an emergency, an urgent. <laughs> oh, of course yeah. it is. You know, because they have that one stove burner. So I think as long as you communicate with them up front to level their expectations, like even with, with heating and air, right? When we get a heating and air, I've trained our, our team members to let them know, listen, we got your we got your request. We understand you have no heat. We go through the sh- troubleshooting things on the phone. Yeah, kind of go over that because that was going to be my next question. Okay. When you guys get a repair request... And this is something I think you've instituted since you and I have been working yep. together. You'll go through some troubleshooting over the phone or online with yep. them. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And that's, uh, and that's to kind of minimize charging our owners, sending somebody out there to go put a switch up, right? So what we do is when a, when a work order comes in, whether it be via online, through our portal, or on the phone, uh, right away we call the – within two or three hours, we call that tenant back, right, to acknowledge receipt of the request. And we start doing troubleshooting depending on what the issue is. So if it's heat or AC, we make sure that they got they replace the batteries of the thermostat, all right? Because a lot of times, oh, my heat's not working. All of a sudden, we go there and it's just two AA batteries. <laughs> you know, so we try to make, make sure that you, you see it. Yes, replace the batteries. Everything's good? No, not yet. Okay, go to the circuit breaker. Make sure that they flip the circuit breaker on and off to make sure that's not the cause. When we do all that troubleshooting, if the issue still persists, we'll let them know, okay, listen, we're going to get this sent. Some, some, we're going to send somebody out there. And at that time, we'll let the tenants know. Just so you know, if we go out there and it's the batteries to your small to, to your thermostat or the circuit breaker, we're going to bill you for that service call. Yeah. Okay. We kind of throw a disclaimer out there right away. Yeah. So then once that's done, we let them know there, listen, it may take 24 to 72 hours for somebody to get out there. Yeah. They don't like that, but we're letting them know up front. Uh, a lot of times what was happening before is we wanted to get somebody out there quickly. So we're telling, okay, we'll get somebody out there today. And then we call our HVAC vendors and they're slammed and they can't get there today. So now they had a reason to be upset because we didn't get there today. So I told them, listen, just tell them it's going to take one to three days. And if it's sooner, great. They're not going to be happy, but upfront they know. And, and if we get there before, they'll be happy. And if we get on the third day, then that's when they were expecting us. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I mean, I, I always tell folks when I'm managing, when I was managing my properties, I treated the tenant the same way I expected it to be if it was me in my own house. Like if I got a, if I HVAC goes out on Friday at 8 PM, it's pretty <laughs> safe to assume that I'm not going to have anybody out there Friday Probably not Saturday. Yep, probably definitely not, not Sunday. Yeah. So yep. it might be Monday for me as my own house. So when they're like, why can't you have somebody out here, you know, by 10 o'clock tonight? Yep. Like, come on, yep. get real. It happens all the time. Yeah. And I, that I, I and it's happened to me. And, and I, and I, I get on the phone with these tenants sometimes they're upset because they're like, oh, I want to speak to the manager. <laughs> so I get on the phone and I tell them, I said, listen, I have six vendors that I give work to every day. And in my house, and it happened to me last year. Yeah. I was without a compressor. They had to order one. I was without AC in the summertime for four days. Yeah. Because the compressor they got wasn't the right fit or so forth. Four days. And I give these guys work all the time. I told them we treated it a matter of priority. You're on the list. And as soon as we have availability, we'll, we're going to send somebody out there. And again, they don't like the what I'm telling them, but they accept it and they understand it. And they know that, you know, you're being genuine. And you're letting them know up front. So I think it avoids, you know, some of the, you know. Tensions were there with the tenants sometimes. 
That's awesome. Do you guys want to jump in and do like five or six of the most frequently asked questions we hear from other investors about property management? Yeah. One quick question too is what this may be. Let's just do quick questions and you've got like three sentences to answer them. Yeah. What are you, is there any, (laughs) anything you're like, that's got your, uh, your eye right now? Is there something you're paying attention to maybe like a new, whether it be a new way you want to take your business, a new way you want to approach the business? Is there any, anything you're paying attention to right now that you think is important to the property management field? Well, I mean, I don't know if so much property management field. I, 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 I look at my company, right? Our operations and I'm always trying to find ways to improve. Right. And how to be a little more sufficient and how to provide, you know, like first grade service to landlords and tenants. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle. But uh, this is why I've implemented and I partner up with different websites like Show Mojo and things like that. So I think technology is key. You know, for instance, I got a lot of pushback when we're trying to implement this Show Mojo thing. You know, team members were like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Now they love it. Right. They love it. And again, I did amount of research on it. I kind of read reviews and found out how to do it. I bought it before I even used it. And I was kind of messing with it just to make sure it was something we were going to use. So I think a lot of things like uh, chatbots and things like that, I, I think technology is key. I mean, I think right now people can go on our website and this is something I'm working on now is to have, you know, somebody can answer most of these questions automatically where they don't have to pick up the phone and give us a call and wait for us to call them back or wait for us to respond in an email. They could just get some of those questions. What is the criteria for your application and have that response automatically instantaneously? That's cool. So I think technologies, that's where I kind of the little bit of time, extra time I do have to think like on the macro stuff. Right. That's what I kind of invest in my time right now and trying to see what ways I can implement where I can have like automated responses and automated stuff. Because I think it takes a lot of time for us to get to a tenant, send to the tenant, then let the owner know, then do the troubleshooting, then enter the work order. So I think there's got to be a way to systemize that where it's a little bit easier and just kind of press a button and everybody knows. Right. What is your favorite flooring for rentals to tenant proof them? Uh, Right now, vinyl plank flooring. Uh, I think, uh, and actually, uh, probably Kevin was the first one who really put me into it. Uh, I mean, I think we, everybody was doing laminate, you know, flooring and all that stuff. But I think uh, on the first few properties, I think it was Kevin. And uh, I mean, I think they look nice. I think they're uh, durable. They're waterproof. And um, I mean, they're not the cheapest for sure, but I think they're well worth it. In the long run, they might be. Yep. Though. I mean, I, that house I just built, and you guys put a tenant in it. I, I put that in every single room. I mean, you walk in the door, it's vinyl plank all the way through every Kitchen, bedroom. Kitchen, the bathroom. The bathroom, everything is vinyl plank. Wow. What does that run a square foot? Ballpark. Are we talking about $2 a square foot? No. no. So a little more. Yeah, I'd say you're probably in the mid threes. Yeah, with shoe molding and everything, it's probably about close to 350 to 4 Yeah. Okay. But I think, is again, I think is, is it looks... Top notch. Yeah, you're not replacing it. Yep. I mean, carpets. I I can't I can't stand carpets right now. Yeah, the, there's no there's no, we've improved so much in the last <laughs> not fifty carpet. years. I don't think carpets come anyway in no, fifty years. It's I gotta tell it's you, it's gotten worse. I yeah. think. <laughs> I mean, anytime you do carpet, you, you're replacing it after one tenant. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's just, I mean I I don't I don't know any way around that. Yeah. So I think vinyl plank is definitely the way to go. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, next question for you is, what is the best property management software to use for an investor? 
like Buildium, Appfolio, Cozy? What What's your favorite? Well, you know, I use Buildium, right? And actually, just right now, and just because I'm sometimes like a nervous Nelly with certain things, I told Sarah I'm jumping into Appfolio with any new client I get. I want to be versed with it. Sometimes I say, what happens if this company kind of their software just crashes or they sell or they bankrupt? You know, if we only know this one thing, then we're going to be kind of screwed. Uh, actually, we're, we're getting a new client now where he's giving us four properties and I'm purchasing that today at Folio. Oh, wow. Uh, and I'm going to start using those four properties there just to kind of get our feet with it because yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about Folio. I know Yardy is probably the best when it comes to multifamily because that's what I hear. Everybody yeah, about. Yardy and RealPage are really big in multifamily. They're yeah. the, I think they own 80% of the market. Yeah. So I've heard great things about Yardy. I've never used it, so I, I, I'm not too versed in it. But... Um, Buildium is pretty cool. I like Buildium. I just, uh, uh, there's a lot of features I've recommended to Buildium. They've added. So that, uh, that's a good thing. But I think they should have more stuff in there that's kind of, that we use on a day-to-day. Okay. This is ignorant, but are they part of the payout, like monthly payout? Do they have anything to do with that? Buildium? Yeah. We will pay, we pay out through Buildium, yeah. Cool. I guess my only complaint, maybe you need to run up the chain is... How, you know how I own a lot of properties and then some of them I own with other investors. So we're 50, 50 in a property mm. and that's always been a challenge is you can only pay one of one us. One account. Yeah. So run uh, that up the chain. Yeah. Right? I'll, I'll ask for for sure. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've implemented a lot of different things, but yeah, there's a lot of partnerships that should get splits. Splits. Correct. Right. Yeah. It's noted. Any advice for if I'm evaluating property, how to get rental comps for it? If I'm not familiar with that specific neighborhood or area. Or a new investor, like how should they get rental comps? I mean, everybody goes to Zillow, but Zillow is just—it's—it's it's yeah. not always accurate, right? And Zillow is asking rental prices, right? Or can you see like actual signed leases there? They'll—they'll uh, give you a rental. Oh, the estimate well. for yeah. rentals, right? Like, Correct. Right. Correct. It will show on the map surrounding properties that they whatever have gotten info on. Correct. For rent. I mean, we use, we're, we're signed up with rental meter. So we use a combination when I don't know an area, which I mean, by now we know pretty much a lot of those little pockets by now, but when I'm not too familiar with an area, we go on rental meter, we go on Zillow, we go on DMLS, just in case something's been closed on DMLS, it gets you a pretty good feel for what is, what they can get. But again, a, an investor who doesn't have access to all of that, I would say just call new view. We can help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, 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 that leads us to the next thing. And like, obviously folks are going to want to get a hold of you. How can they find you? Well, listen, I think, uh, best is email, right? Uh, I mean, our, our phone number is 704-323-6031. That's our office line. But, uh, I mean, you could always reach me via email, which is William at newviewrg.com. And our website is newviewrealtygroup.com. Awesome. And where do you manage properties? Is it all of Charlotte or further beyond? Like, what does that look like? Well, we have properties from Gastonia through Winston-Salem and obviously the greater Charlotte area. So we, we cover a pretty big spread, I think. You're in South Carolina too, correct? We have property in Chandler, South Carolina. Okay. Wow. I know I, know I had one at one point and I think you were managing that as yep. well. Yep. Yeah, we have, we, we, we have some properties there. That's awesome. And what is your like two minute pitch for new view for our listeners so they understand why you're the company to go with for property management? Well, I mean, I, I like I said, I think, you know, being in this field for so long, right? I've been doing this for 10 years already. I, I think we bring a different type of uh, view to property management. We want to make sure our landlords are, are, you know, as happy as they can be. But we, we like to keep, you know, our experience top notch, right? We want to make sure the communication is, is open at all times. And, you know, much more to the 
you know, to the you know, advice against my 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 wife's will. Like our fees are too low. She's always complaining we don't make enough money on this stuff. You <laughs> um, work too hard. Yeah, we you know we 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 got to upcharge on this. We got to upcharge on this. I'm like, no, no, we can't, we can't. But um, that's uh, that, that's pretty basically pretty much it, man. I mean, I think uh, you know, if you want your properties well taken care of for somebody that cares, um, that really goes above and beyond to try to get these properties rented, you know, we're probably the company for you. Awesome. So your clients aren't just another number to you guys. Well, no, man. I I th- I tend to think that's kind of what sets us apart. We and I know that may sound cliche or not, but I mean, we literally. And sometimes my I don't tell my investors we don't need a pat in the back, right? So sometimes my investors don't see what we do. I mean, we've gone as far as staging a property because it's taking too long to to uh, to rent. You know, we now implemented uh, getting professional photo shoots done. You know, and, and I don't kind of advertise this, so my landlords know. I just want to bring that as value, and hopefully, it'll show on the back end where properties get rented quicker. You know, we spent probably one hundred and twenty-five dollars a shoot now, where that before we we're going with our cell phones, and you know, and again, it was doing the job, but I think. You always want to try to better yourself and try to yeah. set yourself up aside from, you know, all the property management companies. So I think those are things we want to implement and um, and the things that we do that go, you know, above what is in our rental agreement, on our management agreement. You know, we go in, we stage a property, we take some pictures, gets rented. Owner may not know. And unfortunately, you know, we don't get no money out of that. But <laughs> at the end, end result, the property got rented. Right. So I think everybody's. Yeah, you're performing well. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that's what matters to investors. Yep. Awesome. I want to thank you for your time, William. I appreciate it. Nah, man, listen, I appreciate you guys having me here. It's uh, exciting, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing this and man, making sure everybody hears about it. Thank All you, man. Right. It'll be fun. All right, thanks. Thank you, thank you.